This is the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast, where we talk with martial arts practitioners about their histories and the influence their practice of martial arts has on their lives. You are listening to the free version of this podcast, which is abbreviated. Help support this program by considering to subscribe to us on Patreon and access the full-length version of the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcasts, all for the price of one coffee shop coffee per month. Go to www.patreon.com slash malmag. That's www.patreon.com slash M-A-L-M-A-G. In the premiere edition, Christopher Bruce and I sit down at the Inosanto Academy of Martial Arts and have a conversation with T. Kent Nelson of KSK Martial Arts in Lansing, Michigan. We talk about a lot of things, way too much to summarize here, so just sit back and listen and enjoy. Hey, welcome to uh, the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast. Uh, I'm Tim Becker, and this is Christopher Bruce. And it's going to be our first podcast, so uh, we got Patient Zero here. Yeah. <laughs> we got a first experiment we're doing with our podcast. We got uh, Kent Nelson. How's it going? And uh, so, how's it feel to be Patient Zero, Kent? Uh, it's an honor. This is, this is really cool. This is really cool. And you know, what's really neat is that I've, I've known you, you, you guys for a while now, and to, to see that you guys are, are taking on an endeavor like this, this is, this is pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome, so I'm, I'm honored to be the first. Thank you. Yeah, well, we're kind of like hardcore researchers like yourself, which I think is what attracted us to you. I mean, other than the fact that he's had some slick moves when he first came in. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. When we went to the park and we're training, I was like, okay, this guy's on the same alley as us. We're yeah. doing the same stuff. Right? Totally. That's cool. Sweet. He's in a little bit cleaner of an alley than us. We're like, hey, we need to, <laughs> <laughs> we need to hang out with this guy. Blocks. Maybe some of it will rub off, right? <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, it kind of, the magazine kind of evolved from that idea of, you know, we're going to research... I liked writing stuff, and you know we like we like gabbing and talking and meeting people and training. Any way to uh, have a reason to work out, talk about working out, which we're already doing anyhow. And, yeah, exactly. You know, and betterment of our life, <laughs> and sit around and have a few laughs and punch each other in the face. Yeah, well, I'm not like sure. a great time. I can't think it's too nice you guys to do it with. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. So Kent, you're you're from the Midwest. Uh, yep, so am I. So is Chris. Yeah, actually. Oh, really? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I I grew up in Illinois. Uh, Chris from Ohio. Uh, yeah, Brown County, Ohio. And you're from Michigan. Yep, Lansing, Michigan. Yeah, the capital. And Center I, of the Mitten. You know, it's kind of funny because I think people don't, you know, they think of martial arts and you think the Orient or you think L.A., you know, you think maybe, uh, I don't know, New York or, or whatever. But, you know, the Midwest, especially when I was growing up in the 80s, there were some martial arts there. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of martial arts throughout the Midwest and hardcore, really damn good people. So to me, it's not a surprise to find a really amazing martial artist out of the, out of the Midwest. Well, I was, I was really lucky because... Um, you know, there are a lot of people that have to travel all over the world to go do the training, and everybody can can, can do that. You know, as we saw in the, the camp this weekend with people here from, you know, they've been here for a couple weeks from Austria and Germany and places like that. But like for myself, I was super lucky in that, um, you know, I got to meet uh, like Tadashi Yamashita and train for 15 uh-huh. years with him because uh, he came to to Mason, Michigan, which is like 20 minutes. It's a small little town and came like 20 minutes you know, from where I live. And uh, I, I trained for three years under like Taiko Yada system because one of Taika's uh, at that time highest level guys was, was in Lansing and I was training. So you're doing hardcore Okinawan stuff. Yeah. Shonru and, yeah, and, and you know. it was a Kempo of some sort that was Oyata, uh, right? Oyata was Ruku Kempo, Tumite yeah. Jitsu, Kyoshi Jitsu, which is like a lot of the pressure point stuff. And then and then Grudan, you know, he uh, comes to the, the Detroit area. I mean, I've, I've really been lucky in that if I, if I don't want to, I don't have to travel very far than a couple of hours. But I try to make it a point to also come out here with you guys and do the training and, and um, try to get around. 
I think with uh, you know being from the Midwest, you know you probably met Guru the first time was at a seminar. And yep. the, yeah, mine was in Indiana, Evansville, and I was just like, okay, you know what? I have to train more. This is not what I've been doing my entire life. There's something to this. Yeah. So if it wasn't for those little seminars, I would have never made, made it to LA. Met any of you guys? Wow. Put me on a different journey. So yeah, same we've had here. Some great stuff. Yeah. Well, you're gonna have to tell us about that. How'd you get involved in martial arts? In martial arts, um, like my very first memory of martial arts, I was five years old. Remember the old Kung Fu theater Saturdays? Oh yeah, you know. So I can On TNT. Yeah, I can remember <laughs> being a little kid, being you know sat in front of the TV and like that big, like cartoon Yin Yang would come on the on the yeah. screen, start spinning around real fast, and then uh, I, I just I never knew what they were doing. I just knew that it excited me, I, and, and and I loved that. And I was like, ah, oh, I want to do that, you know. And uh, when I was seven years old, my parents put me in a in a Taekwondo class, and I've pretty much been going nonstop since I was seven. Wow! Just trying different stuff constantly. You know, I've um, I went through my time with Taekwondo. I went into uh, Japanese systems after that. Uh, I spent about seven years in the Taekwondo. Started doing stuff with like uh, karate and kobudo. So it wasn't just a little taste of Taekwondo. Seven years is pretty oh, serious. Yeah. I put my time in. Nice. That, that, that's for sure. You know. Um, you know, uh, did like the Japanese systems for a long time. Went back to Taekwondo. Um, went back to the Japanese systems. Oh, well, look, he's here. Say hello. Yeah. Tiny Paulson just crashed in the Tiny podcast Paulson. real quick. <laughs> no, don't apologize. Come over and put us in an arm bar. Oh, it's, right. it's okay. No. You just, you never know what's going to happen oh, here at this place. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> Hilarious. Oh, you're good. But Not like it's some bag lady walking through or something, you know. It's just <laughs> the real deal. <laughs> no worries. But, but uh, yeah, so, you know, did a, did a lot of training there. Um, when I was 16, I had a, a guy, a friend of mine, actually in high school. His name was Josh Pitts, and, and he had done a little bit of college. And so I can remember, you know, at 16 years old, being out in a, in a driveway at, a, at, like, where he lived and, and, and constantly just playing, trying to figure out what this double stick thing is all about. And I held on to that for a long time, um, tried to find other Filipino martial artists in my area. And then somebody was like, hey, you got to check out this, this Guru Dan Inasano guy, which was, which was kind of funny. Hi, Cookie. Yeah, <laughs> um, which was kind of funny, actually, because I only knew the name at that time, Guru Dan and Asano, through uh, the associations with Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I didn't really have a whole lot of JKD experience. I just, I just, it was more of like a Kali along with a with a Japanese and Korean background. And uh, so I was well, like, "That's interesting." Yeah, a lot so of I was people kind of like, go JKD then Kali. Right. They don't go Kali then JKD. Exactly. So wow. I was just like, "Well, you know, hey." Whatever, Bruce Lee. Don't really know much about it, and this is, you know, so you should come check it out. So I went, I went and, and uh, checked it out, and that was the first time I had ever seen Sea Lot. And Ooh. man, that you talk about. Uh, I, I believe there are moments of like truth. Like when somebody's telling a story, and then somebody tells something that's true. Like you, you know, you can tell kind of the truth from the liar. Yeah. a little bit. You, you just, feel it. Feel it in your gut. Feels different. Yeah. Here's different. The first time I saw. Tadashi Yamashita do anything on film mm-hmm. I knew in that moment there's some truth there way yeah. more than what I'd been doing so I started following that when I saw Taika Oyata I knew there's some truth there and mm-hmm. I felt that again when I saw Guru Dan move and I was like wow okay and and there's way more truth here than, than what I have come across you know since then and I felt the same thing when I got involved with with, uh, with Jiu Jitsu you know and in the grappling arts but well, yeah seeing him do Sila it was it uh it was mesmerizing, just mesmerizing to me. And then and the the, the Kali work, and and then um, 
you know, and he was talking about like a lot of the Jun Fan and the trapping and all that, which I didn't really know much about. So it was actually uh, the the Indonesian and Filipino martial arts that opened up the door for me to start learning uh, more of the the Jun Fan side, the JKD side, and, and and even even the Muay Thai side. So hmm. so I I mean yeah, maybe I kind of went backwards from most people's. No, <laughs> still you completed the circle. So yeah. that's funny though when you say the truth because you know I remember when I first met Guru the first time, my instructor uh, David Brown had taken me to because I was real cocky about you know doing the, the tournaments and getting my my medal and my self you know ego filled up and i go johnny and I, lawrence here yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i go and i remember i, I see Guru and i'm watching extra general man that's right extra general i'm sitting there i'm thinking this trapping what is this is this a work come on really and he comes around and i asked him you know i was cocky and i think he sensed i was a little cocky so next thing i know he's pox out he's lops out and my hands are going everywhere and he's just <laughs> on my chest and I'm thinking okay there's something here and that was it I was done I well, you, was know, you know it's interesting as you say the word trapping I think trapping is is one of the terms that has yet to truly make its way to mainstream because even if you're not a martial artist and you say oh I study striking arts people can immediately envision what you're talking right. about you say oh yeah I study you know a throwing art I study a grappling art people immediately have an idea already but I, I find that to to non-martial arts and even even to martial artists that's never done stuff like this when I say oh yeah I study like the trapping arts and and they look at me with that blank like the what what do you mean trapping yeah. like, like our best you like get locking someone in a closet like what are you talking about? our best you, you get know? someone go oh that patty cake <laughs> Yeah. Stuff, yeah, exactly. So, you know, and you try to, unless you demonstrate it for them, yeah, they can't even understand when you talk about you know, barrier removal or, or feeling the, the, the energy or the, the pressure and they can't get it. But, you know, you, you pock them once, you lop them once and then they true. go, oh, 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 that's different. You <laughs> yeah. know? And, and then trying to explain the differences between, you know, Wing Chun trapping and Jun Fun trapping and, and Filipino trapping because mm. they're all the same motions but they all have different energies based on the, the historical context of where they came from right and try to trying to explain to somebody they're all the same they're also all completely different it's, it's, <laughs> and then it's, that's the look it's you such get. a process <laughs> it's such a process you yeah. know it's very different but it's an enjoyable process I laugh when I was I'm listening to UFC now once in a while you hear somebody third term like dirty boxing look at what he's doing here see how he's holding your arm there I'm yeah going, it's starting to it's yeah. starting to grow and right. it's kind of funny. Well, I think the term but we never see that yeah. trapping in the UFC. Wait, no. you just saw it. <laughs> I think I think the term dirty boxing is really I think that's become that's going to be the gateway term for making Panantukan a little yeah. bit more of an open. To, I mean, like uh, you know, Guru Dan and Sifu Rikfei have done so much for for getting the term out there, but it's it's a very popular term like amongst our group of people, mm -hmm. you know, and and Daniel Sullivan has really done an awesome job with taking that with term, the marketing, yeah, yeah, and taking that term dirty boxing and getting people go, oh yeah, dirty boxing, and then once they start looking into his stuff, they, mm -hmm. you know, they start hearing the term Panantukin all over it, and they're like, Panantukin, and that takes it back to Guru Dan, and, sure. and, and um, so I think that, I think that's a, I think that's a positive thing, that, that term, it might not be like what we would think about it as, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I mean, is, can you really have dirty boxing, it's just, you know, a fight's a fight, self-defense is self-defense, right. you know, but, um, but I think that's going to help, I think long term that term is going to help. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a it, you can grab onto it and, and you get an idea when I'm you waiting. say it. You get an idea of what that means. I'm, oh, I'm waiting to see those hammer fists and forearms yeah. start oh, to show yeah. up in the in the cage though a yeah. little bit. You know, some guntings and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, that'd be cool to see, no doubt. Well, you know, you have a, a pretty good base of students that's growing at your school, and I know you when you first started off, you started off in your garage and teaching, but now you've got like a 
a very large number of students. Yeah, you just moved like to a new place recently. Seminars. Uh, Well, we're looking to hopefully move to a new place. We've been in the same spot about six years. Okay. Um, Because I was was teaching through Lansing Parks and Recreation for Mm -hmm. about seven years. And then I bought a home. And I actually purchased the home based on if I could build a dojo out of it or not. <laughs> so I, I, found, like the way I, I looked things. at five or six pla- five or six places, final place had like a two and a half car garage, was structurally sound, the house needed a lot of work and and uh, I was looking at this garage, I'm like, yep, this is gonna work and my father, bless my father's heart, he's with me and he's he's, he's like, uh yeah, well, I mean, the home needs some work. I'm like, yeah, Dad, but I can see it. He's so <laughs> like, well, yeah, you could. I guess you could put a workbench here and hang a heavy bag and maybe park your car. And I'm like, the, the car will never enter this space. That's right. You know, and, <laughs> sacred and, space. Yeah. So, so I, I, I poured about twenty grand into that into that garage, turning it into an actual like you know good zebra mats yeah. and mirrors and the whole nine yards and and, uh, and uh, I taught out there for about ten years. And we got to the point where you couldn't walk in there anymore. It was so it was so packed. We couldn't do double stick anymore. We couldn't grapple anymore. It was just. Uh, it's it, kind of like Sea Life Camp now. Yes, <laughs> very much so. So that was that was the time we're like, okay, it's time to time to make the leap. So we signed a lease and and uh, and started learning about you know building a building a larger thing. And, and in that time, we've really seen like uh, like my affiliate program kind of grow, mm-hmm. uh, which has been nice. We've seen, um, you know, the seminars pick up a little bit. We've seen, uh, some of my own people really, really make leaps and bounds. And my, I think my favorite thing is, is the, the more students we're, we're getting in, the more I'm able to, um, help create teachers. Right. You know, and, and seeing like my, oh, that's wow. Right. <laughs> seeing, seeing my, seeing my students now, um, really, really become amazing teachers. You know, and that that's really yeah. cool to me because that's that's what it's becoming. As I as I get older, like passing on the arts because there's so right. there's so much just in, the, in terms of positivity and health and interactions with other people. Sure, relationships to me are the are the biggest things that, that the martial arts offers you. Oh, absolutely. You know, so you figure what a teacher's career can be seventy years or more can be, and uh, can be. a fighter's career is very short. Yes, and there's always a new one, a new one, a new one. So. Uh, so going back, so you teach, you got this great program, and we'll kind of maybe get into more detail about that, but what point did you say, okay, I love martial arts, indeed, like many of us do, but you said, I'm now going to teach, and I'm going to do this as a thing. This is going to be my thing. Uh, I was 14 years old. Yeah. Wow. At 14, I knew it's what I wanted to do. To teach? Yes. Wow. Uh, um, now that path was a little bit rocky. Well, yes, you know, they all are, but, but. <laughs> yeah, fourteen. So, so when I saw Tadashi Yamashita, um, and and saw how he could, well, my my one of my Taekwondo instructors was his name was Chad Ostrander. He was such an such an inspiration to me. I wanted to be just like that guy, and I didn't. I didn't. I was a dumb kid. I didn't know that. You know, he's like struggling, has a job too. You know, I was like, yeah, no, I want to teach. And then when I met Tadashi Yamashita and saw that you know he flies around the world teaching seminars, that's the first thing I had ever, first time I'd ever heard of that. And I was like, <gasps> you could do that? <laughs> I want to do that. You could meet such interesting people. That's awesome. So I, I you know started thinking that that was going to be in the cards for me, and um, uh, you know everything I, I've ever done has been about trying to get towards that dream of, of being a teacher. Uh, and then and then when I met Guru Dan and I heard like wait a minute he flies around and teaches seminars and has an academy and teaches at the academy and gets to do private lessons every day okay new goals 
Right. You know, that's how yeah. it was for me. Like, and that, he's really set the bar for like what I'm, what I would like to try to achieve. I got to achieve half. Oh right, man, yeah. you know, I could just be half. And I don't even know if that's possible. But, uh, but that was it for me. So I went into uh, actually uh, EMS and firefighting. Uh, I became a paramedic, and specifically, it was for the um, for the for the schedule because you'd work like 24 on, 48 off. And, oh yeah, yeah at yeah. the time I was training an Oyata system. I was about twenty something years old. I was training an Oyata system under a guy named Charles Peterson, who was a firefighter for a Lansing Fire Department. And I asked him, I was like, how do you follow Oyata around and do all these week long camps in all these different places around the country? Like, how do you have the time with a regular job? And that's he was telling me about firefighting and the Kelly Day schedule and where you get like a bunch of days off and you really work ten days a year and stuff like that. Or, I mean, 10 days a month, excuse me. Like, damn, yeah, like 10 days there you go. How nice would that be? That would be awesome. You know, and, and I was like, okay, <laughs> sure. So I, I went through fire sciences, and at that time, we went through fire sciences, and all of a sudden, halfway through, they're like, oh, uh, they're changing it now. Night. There's no way they'll even hire you as a firefighter unless you have a, your EMT license. So I was okay. So I went into my EMT. By halfway through that, they said, oh, well, there's no way they're going to hire you now. The new standards unless you get your paramedics license too. So I went into my paramedics license. And halfway Damn, through, you better get through that real quick. Half, more, yeah, halfway going through my paramedics license, they're like, well, now you got to be national registered paramedic. I mean, it was just one hoop after another. And so I went all, long story short, went all through those, uh, got my paramedics license, uh, became a paramedic, and you know, it was just that. It allowed me... The, the the time and the freedom I could get a guy to cover me you know so for years I had a buddy that would come and cover me I'd go off shift for three hours go teach my class and come back you know and um, it just allowed me to and, and then in 2008 when the economy took a big dumper mm. um, uh, I was I was let go as a paramedic and and um, I just started dating my wife actually and and one of the ways I knew that this girl was for me is I was, I was driving home and I just gotten let go. And I was thinking to myself, like, I knew my personality. It's like, if I don't stop right now on the way home and tell her what happened, I will go home and I probably won't mention it and I'll just start job searching. And I'll make it my mission to, you know, because I don't I don't want to look like that loser without right. a job. And I was like, no, don't don't play that card. So I stopped and I told her, I says, hey, uh, you're officially dating an unemployed guy you know yeah. and we'll see how she handles that you know and, yeah. and she looks me right in the face and she says well now it's time to follow your heart mm. do what you're meant to do and so we went from teaching part-time to teaching full-time and it's just been um, moving forward ever since people say you know oh well uh, hey you finally made it I don't know what finally made what made it means because I'm working harder than I've ever worked of course in my whole life and you know and you got it you got to keep that going you know, you got to yeah. keep that momentum going. Because it's your business, yeah. Cutting, yeah, but but it's it's more fulfilling than I've ever been, you know, in my whole life too. I love it, absolutely love it. Well, that's a really heartfelt moment to have her say that to you. You know, follow your heart. You know, those things, those those points in life where if it hadn't been for that, where would you be? Yeah, yeah, that's I, amazing. I'm very lucky for my wife, Lori. She's she's an amazing person, and I, I probably don't tell her that as, as I tell her that a lot, and probably not as often as she deserves to hear. It. Did you hear that? Yeah, that's right. Hear that, Lori? Plug. That's a Lori. Points, right? Points. That's right. Points. 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 Hey, as my wife says, happy wife, happy life. The wife say that, yes. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so so we do um, the, the program I do is we, we I was referred to as KSK Martial Arts, mm-hmm. and everybody asks us what's KSK stand for. I mean, you can call it Nelson's Martial Arts or something. I I sometimes feel like when you attach your personal name to something that it's. Um, 
for me, I don't know who's going to follow Nelson's martial arts. It just sounded weird to me. I don't know. So, you know <laughs> Anybody, yeah. right? <laughs> well, I, you know, it works better for some people than others, you know. But, sure. But, uh, but nobody knows who Nelson is. And, and so uh, I, I had a heavy Japanese influence. And so I, I used the phrase Kaishinkan, which means house of an open mind. Mm. And uh, after 10 years, my own father still could not remember what Kaishinkan was or, or, or how to say it. So I was like, let's go with KSK. You know, and that, that he could remember. So I was like, if my own father can't remember it, then it's going to be tough for the general public probably. You know, so we started just going with KSK Martial Arts. And the idea behind it, you know, it is, that, is that we are a house of an open mind. It doesn't matter what the background of a system is. It doesn't matter, you know, what, what, what the history of a system is or what their approach is. What matters is it, A, is it functional? You know, B, is it, is it safe to practice as well as functional? And C, do we enjoy it? Yeah. That's the biggest one. Seize you enjoy it. Yeah. Is you know, and this concludes the abbreviated version of the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast. Please consider supporting the program by going to patreon.com slash malmag and subscribing for access to the full-length podcasts. Again, that is www.patreon slash M-A-L-M-A-G. Thank you for joining us for our premiere episode of the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast. Coming up next week is David Bertrand, a phenomenal martial artist out of Belgium. This show is produced by Martial Arts Lifestyle Magazine. Visit us at martialartslifestylemagazine.com. Music by Jack Al Relic. Martial Arts Lifestyle Magazine and the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast are trademarked and copyrighted by TNT LLC. (laughs) 